podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Let's get ready to rumble! Y'all ready for this? Hello and welcome to Face Off. In this show, we're going to be covering a couple games because I've been I've missed a couple, uh, missed a few actually through throughout the uh, Christmas period. But uh, in this one, we're going to mention uh, Newcastle and Arsenal, and possibly the Wolves game in passing. But that 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 was like a year ago, so you know I can't remember it that well. <laughs> but I'll introduce my guests. Uh, I've got Jay Reed with me. How are you doing, Jay? Yep, all good. Uh, as you say, there busy whirlwind period. Kind of don't know what day it is or. Where I'm up to in life, but yeah, we carry on going with the Reds. Absolutely, and the win streak hopefully continues, uh, touch wood. But uh, yeah, I mean, a perfect month for the Reds, and hopefully this will be the perfect podcast, and that's why I brought in, I think it's a face-off debutant, surely a face-off debutant unto me, and that's Simon Dowling, better known as Hefty Horse on Twitter. How are you doing, Si? I am amazing here, but that was just an absolutely fantastic month, but it feels like it feels like the Wolves match was like last year for some reason. It's just all come very fast, but it's been a it's been a perfect month, as you say. So thanks for having me on, and looking forward to this. Absolutely, and as I said before we started recording, I just did the Reds review, cheeky plug there, but remembering the Everton game was a pain. <laughs> I could not remember one detail apart from that, apart from the funniest thing in the world happened. <laughs> but I've also got another guest, my partner in crime over on 1UP is Carl. How are you doing, Carl? Not too bad, guy. How about yourself? I'm good, I'm good. Uh, similarly to Jay, I have no idea what day it is, so <laughs> I barely know the time, that's why I'm late to this podcast. <laughs> um, but we'll crack on with 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 the actual content of the show, and, and Jay, I'll start with you, I mean, as I said, we won't mention the Wolves game too much, but um, obviously Newcastle wasn't too long ago, it was Boxing Day, and, and we won comfortably, I mean... I won't go into starting eleven, but Rafa kind of did us a favour and rested his for his first choice strike partnership, didn't he? Yeah, or as I like to say, he was just taking one look at Big Virgil and thought Rondon's getting no change out of him today. Let's just keep him on the bench. So yeah, I always like to think that Rafa's going to come back and just do us a favour. The times he has been back with Newcastle over the past few years, it tends to be a training exercise couple of goals all right this time we went for four which was nice um but yeah usually a nice 2 nil, 3 nil win nobody's hurt everyone shakes hands we all sing thanks for Rafa Rafa and we all go home happy so you can't complain at that it was an absolute perfect game that, for Boxing Day we breathed through it no one was hurt and then we moved on to a bigger and better game up against Arsenal but and touching back on Wolves it, it was a bit more of a slog the weather mm. conditions weren't great, but we were professional throughout and we got the goals at crucial times. We killed the game off and we kept Wolves at an arm's length. I don't really think they created many other chances other than our wrongdoing um, when Robertson stumbled on the ball. But other than that, yeah, it, as the month's been, it's been a professional month. So you can't really have nothing bad to say about the Reds, only great things and good things. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> as we mentioned, we can't remember the days and stuff. We just said it. the months turned into one big just blaze of loveliness, uh, big blur of loveliness. It, 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 it's been a great month. But, Carl, I'll come to you. Um, I mean, we won't go into Newcastle too much because, I mean, I'm sure we all want to get on at the Arsenal game. As as Jay said, Newcastle tend to do us a bit of a favour under Rafa and stuff like that. But Lovren scoring a worldie. I mean, is he finally finished his transformation into becoming Skirtle but can actually defend a little bit better? Yeah, no, I mean it was it was a great goal from from Lovren because you know the the first half against Newcastle, the final ball wasn't quite there. You know, which Mane took a few bad touches and stuff, and you know Newcastle as we expected. It, it kind of reminded you somewhat of the first half against United. You know, we were getting up at them, but there wasn't much space, so it, it was going to take a, a good strike to to break the deadlock. And um, you know, strangely, I came from probably the most unlikely source on the pitch in, in Dejan Lovren. And I'm hopefully hoping it doesn't lead to him trying that too many times. You know, <laughs> usually we'd rather he just lays it off or, you know, but but fair play to him. He, he took the strike on and, and he got the goal and you could tell he enjoyed it with the, the celebration. So it was, it was a good goal to get because, you know, we always knew we were going to beat Newcastle. But the earlier we got the goal and mm. kind of secured it, the less energy we'd have to use up which was you know our our aims for this festive period where we win every game use as little energy as possible and you know we we did that and we by scoring early goals and in each of our games even after obviously as we'll touch on Arsenal after going behind so fair fair play to Lovren it was a brilliant strike but as I said I'm hoping he doesn't try that too many more times this season yeah, I mean, I think, I think I can't remember what game it was. It might have been the uh, it might have been the United game where we started shooting from forty yards, and Lovren had one of his one of his moments. I was like, no, mate, just don't do that ever again. And then he scored a worldie a couple of weeks later, so that's all good. But um, Simon, I'll come at you on this. Obviously, um, we've seen in, con- in 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 consecutive weeks we saw Van Dijk then Lovren score. How important is it that we're now getting goals from other areas? I know Salah's been on fire this month, uh, and I think he's got like 12 goals and assists this month, and obviously Bobby and Mane were on fire against Arsenal. But we do need other avenues of goals, don't we? Oh, yeah. I mean, and especially with Van Dijk at the back. I mean, you'd be, I'd, I've, I've, I, expect, I expected him to score more than he has, and our corners haven't been... Uh, particularly great but they're actually they seem to be getting a little bit better and I think if we can just aim the ball at people like Van Dyke and instead of the first man um, it, you know he can be a little bit more of a threat but that was I definitely didn't expect um, I didn't expect Lovren to have that kind of that type of a boot on him at all but um, yeah let's just hope that he that he never tries that again because the next time it's going to go high <laughs> rocket. But um, it is, it's, it's nice to kind of have that threat and even for the, even, you know, to kind of just be able to scare people a little bit more when the ball's in the box. And um, yeah, it'd be nice to kind of see Van Dyke getting maybe four or five now by the end of the year. And l- Lovren, I mean, he's not going to be first pick, I'd say, by next month anyway. So, um, maybe he can he can end his little stay with another worldie. 
He can, he can become he Stephen Colker. He can score Colker. against Man City. Yeah, yeah. Stephen Colker. He can become Colker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, Jay, I mean, I think Si mentioned it before we started recording. There's now a, a really weird narrative that Mo Salah's became a diver. Um, and I think this is obviously the game where it started, where Port, I think it was Dummett who pretty much pushed him. I think it's fair to say pushed him. May have been a bit soft. I, I exaggerated, the co- exaggerated the reaction to the contact and all that. But, I mean, it is just part of modern football that all this stuff is exaggerated, isn't it? We've seen Kane get booked for diving. I think Madison won exactly the same penalty yesterday or the other day. It, it it's just why why is why is the media fan fit? I know it's partly opposing fans on social media and stuff. But why is it so bad when it's more Salah? Because he's not English. Hmm. It's as simple as that, really, for me. It seems like I put it out on Twitter today. Harry Kane went down got booked for diving, but he went down. And it was touched upon on match today, and I think it was Danny Murphy who take his opinions with a pinch of salt. Yep. <laughs> I don't think it was a dive. And then whoever the other person was could have been Alan Shearer, I think, off the top of my head said, yeah, no, it was a dive. Um, but he's the golden boy of English football, and he's just being awarded an NBA for turning up and playing some football against no marks in the summer. So he's not going to be labelled with any bad press because why would they put down their star player as it would be? So to target the foreign guy with the narrative that's always been in the Premier League era of the foreign footballers go down easier, then it's much easier to write a story about and much easier to create more hysteria. Now, if you rewind it back Roughly a year ago when we did play Newcastle again, Salah was through on goal and got shoved mm. by Lascelles. Two hands, blatant shove. I was the other end of the ground and I could see it. And the referee waved it away. And that wasn't the first one he had waved away in that game. He had waved away a few other contentious decisions. But that was the most blatant nailed on foul that you could have given. And he waved it away. So it's not again... Throughout the season, Salah gets kicked a hell of a lot and he stayed on his feet, honestly. He'd done it against Bournemouth. He was free on goal. And I think it was Cook. They could have ripped his Achilles open. Yeah. And he stays on his feet. He stumbles along. He puts the ball on the back of the net. You can see he's uncomfortable with the contact and it's clearly hurting. But why not go down? Because if you're not showing the referee that you're, you are physically contacted as a contact sport but if you're contacted illegally or you're impeded in a way players have come to the situation where you're going to have to prove that you are in this situation of being impeded or fouled so he may have made a little bit of the most of it but he was pulled back by dumbers and if he carries on and then falls over fluffed the shots and it goes wide the referee leaves it and we're still at the position of I think maybe it was 1-0 at that point. Um, but why not go down? Why not prove to the referee that, look, this guy's just fouled me. I can't continue with what I wanted to do. Are you going to give me a foul or not? He didn't dive. He just made the most of the contact, in my opinion. So the whole hysteria of Salah being a diver, it's just he's coming into form. He's starting to get, you know, say back to what he was last season because that was a freak season. He's just hitting the straps, he's starting to play and influence games more and more than what he was at the start of the season but that was obviously due to the summer and so on and so forth so 
the other teams, the other fans, the media, they don't like it. They they would rather it was somebody else. If it was Harry Kane who was coming into this form, it would be fine. But it, it does, I think it's a media agenda. They don't want Liverpool to win the league. And that's my personal opinion. And other people might agree or disagree with me on that. But if our best player is winning a penalty that way, then the media don't like it and other fans don't like it. So they'll do anything they can to create a story and a hysteria around it. Such as the Mane incident with Lashana. It mm. was highlighted on match today. Mane did grab him around the throat. There's no denying that the videos showed it. But what it didn't show was three seconds before that, Lichsteiner had swung an elbow at him. And he'd also had a couple of digs at him earlier on in the game. But them things aren't showing. It's only the media narrative to show the bad guy in this situation, which was the Liverpool player again. So for me, just you brush it off. It's just people are trying to create a, tor- a storm in a teacup. And had it been Harry Kane or should it be even Deli Alley, it was he was labelled as a diver and then it was sort of pushed aside. James Madison, mm. he, he went down, he put his hands up on Twitter and apologised for it. Oh, he was being honest. He, mis- he admitted he made a mistake. He'll learn from it. Why? Because he's English, where the foreign guys just seems to get labelled with a much harder stick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I agree with everything you've said there. There does seem to be... I mean, I don't think it's just a Liverpool a Liverpool thing. I'm sure there is plenty of media and obviously, you know, uh, we've already seen on, on Twitter and stuff. Other teams don't want to win in the league because we will be horrible. We will be absolutely unbearable. Oh, we we will not let anyone forget <laughs> if we win this league. Uh, we still dear. we still sing about 2005, rightly so, because we yeah. did win it five times. But we still sing about that now. And anyone who asks you, whether it be home or abroad, where are you from, Liverpool? Ah, oh, Istanbul. Yeah, of course, Istanbul. So you let them know. <laughs> And if we win the league this season, if we win the league this season, we will not shut up about it, and rightly so. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And and Carl, what what's your your what's your, what's your two cents on, on this um, on diving narrative? I think we've seen it continue into the Arsenal game as well with the, with the Socrates penalty incident, which well, it was definitely a penalty. Let's be honest, um, but. Um, yeah, well, what what's your take on it? Is it as widespread as Jay says that the media, I think they do protect English players, I think it's fair to say, but do you think it is focused on Liverpool? I mean, that the Mane incident, I think that's a great example, to be fair, but what's, what's your two cents on the whole situation, Carl? I'd, I'd agree with a lot of what Jay said. I mean, there, there does seem to be a bit of a narrative whenever Salah's involved. And and let's not forget, this is the third time this season. There was the Sacco Penno earlier in the season mm. where Sacco was snapping at his heels and very clumsy from Sacco. And Salah goes down and Palace fans and some of the media were saying Salah could have stayed on his feet. But why should he stay on his feet when this big guy tearing over is wrapping his gadget legs around him you know like what's he gonna do it's very hard to score a goal from that that situation so so he did the right thing and giving the referee uh, something to think about um similarly with newcastle again dummett puts his hands on salah dummett doesn't even complain i don't know why that's not highlighted dummett does not complain about that incident he knows he did wrong he knows he put hands on salah you know, he knows he gave the ref something to think about. So Salah has a right to go down. You know, people call it a dive. It's not a dive. A dive 
indicates there's simulation. You know, there was contact. He did not simulate contact. There was legitimate contact in all three incidents. Socrates, again, is grabbing at Salah. He's snapping towards him. Now, Salah's feet were too quick for him. He didn't quite catch him with his feet, but he could have caught the back of his ankle twice. And it did seem to me from angles that it looked like his knee touched the back of Salah's leg. So there there certainly was contact. And I think in all three incidents, Salah was right to go down because if Salah doesn't go down, the attack comes to nothing and we don't score. We're probably going to be saying, Salah, why didn't you go down? I I, I've been racking my head all day because I remember an incident a few years ago where one of our players was challenged and stayed on their feet and then the attack fizzled out. And Gerard actually gave out to our, our player for going down. I just cannot think of who it was, but I remember Gerard's reaction. And it's the right reaction. You know, you need to... The, the referees are bad enough. You've got to make sure they, they see what happens, you know. And, like, I'm not, I'm not saying dive... I, you know, I'd, I'd never condone diving. I would. I don't like simulation. I hate to see it. And at the same time, like, look, we're football fans. We're biased. If Aubameyang did that at the other end, we're going to be saying, oh, look at him. He went down easy because that's, that's just a natural reaction. But at the same time, you're going to be saying to our defender, don't give the referee that decision. We've seen it with Lovren on um, Calvert-Lewin. It's mm. very similar incident. He puts hands on. Lewin makes the most of it. The referee gives a penalty. Lovren shouldn't have put hands on. It's that simple. You know, I don't think that... Dummett had no complaints. Socrates certainly did. He was taking his complaints throughout the game. And he piped up again on the the second penalty with Lovren. But, (laughs) I mean... I just, I don't think a defender can have any complaints there. You know, you can, I know as a football fan, I can understand an Arsenal fan saying he went down easy. As I said, we'd be the exact same, but you you still got to look at your defender and you got to say they were clumsy. There was contact. Salah had a right to go down. It's that simple. And I don't see what, why there's been such a big deal about it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, Simon, I'll come with you. I'll, we'll move away from the diving stuff, but um, we'll finish up on the Newcastle game because I'm sure we all just want to jump into the Arsenal game and have a good laugh. Um, <laughs> but um, we we've seen we've seen like a a revolution sort of of Jordan Henderson, and I think it started early. You know, so I think Napoli was obviously really good in, but. Um, these free fixtures, including Wolves, we've seen him come, whether he started or came on, he's kind of played further forward, and it's it certainly impacted his form, especially for, in my opinion. It might be different for other people, but I think this is probably some of the best form we've seen from John Henderson in possibly a year or two. I mean, what, what what's your take on it? Is, it? is he just going back to his normal position that obviously he started off under Brendan Rodgers and stuff like that? Or, or do you think he's finally... Or do you think it may be Klopp trusting the other players to play the deeper position rather than Henderson? I think it's a bit of both. I mean, it's 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 a thing that I've definitely talked about quite a lot, and I know most of his fans agree that he's um, he can do a lot more in the more advanced kind of that box to box role as opposed to being a the you know the pure the pure defensive midfielder I just don't think he has the legs for that role anymore after um he's you know he's he's been fairly affected by a number of different injuries and it he doesn't I just don't think he has that level of fitness anymore to completely control the midfield and um I think when I think when he's allowed to attack and to not be 
completely de- depended upon to be back and failed to kind of the the defensive void. He's I think he's a lot better. Um, I also think it is a mi- mixture of the people that he has around him now as well. I mean, we're much better at the back um, overall, and we're much better. I think our midfield's a lot better with. Uh, the new people that we've bought in, so that's definitely helped him as well. And I think, I think he's been, I think he's been a lot more effective. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if he can start to maybe add, if to add some, some returns now. Because I don't think he's got. Has he scored yet this season? I don't, I don't think he has. Has he? Hendo, sure. No, I don't think so. No. So it'll be interesting in this more advanced role if he can start to even even you know score three or four um i think that will definitely really help us but um i definitely don't think he should be in that in the defensive midfield role anymore unless it's unless it's maybe part of it too where he can kind of mm. bend back and forth a bit you know where he can kind of go up for a bit and come back for a bit that can work because he's not being completely depended upon yeah, yeah, I agree with everything you said there. But Jay, I'll come to you because I think you you've been. I think we mentioned it on that on our show where it was me, you, Tom, and Mark. I think it was. Um, it, he was obviously a big divisive player, and as has this recent form changed changed your opinion on how useful he can be at the squad? Because I know you are a bit of a critic to him, and I think it's fair to say he hasn't been in his best form for in recent years. Yeah, I mean, I'll. I'll... I'll openly admit I don't like him, and that's no secret. But what I will say is, his best game for me was against Newcastle the other day. I mean, he probably has that. He probably has that better throughout the season, but I may not have seen the full ninety. And you do kind of see a little different perspective of the game when you're at the ground because a lot obviously a lot of stuff can be missed on the TV. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think he had his best game that I've seen him play. Um, against Newcastle and he seemed to have the freedom to break forward a lot more now we know Henderson plays the way he's facing so if he's playing the six and he's getting the ball from the centre back nine times out of ten the ball goes back to them or it'll go to the full backs should they be in a position of a parallel line to him but when he's played the ball in an advanced position and he's facing the opposition's goal he can be effective because then he's got a lot more options ahead of him. You've got at least four players, if the front four was including Shaqiri, ahead of him, plus potential a midfield partner depending on where we are in the field. So he can be effective there and he, he can pick a pass. Sometimes he doesn't choose the challenge and pass, he'll choose the easiest pass. But that's not always a bad thing. Um, sometimes it can be frustrating because you can see the better pass and he'll choose to just recycle it wide or recycle it to inside to the midfield partner or whatever. But we, I've never not said he can't be useful to the squad given the squad that mm. we've got this year. He is, he's an asset and we do need him because he does offer certain things within certain games. So I've never not said he's not an asset, but if he was upgradable, then yeah, he, he is definitely one that I would upgrade on. I think the small fact that we have got is we've not seen the best or much of Naby Keita 
mm. which probably was where many people ex- expected him to come in and take a midfield start out in Bertha. We've not really seen much of him. I expected a little bit more over the Christmas period. We haven't seen yes, a hell of a lot of him. And I think, was it Wolves? He picked a knock on his foot up. I think he picked a cut on his foot. Yes. I mentioned, yeah. So that could have then affected him over Newcastle and Arsenal, but I did expect him to get at least a run out against Arsenal because I think he could feature against Man City this week. Um, but, you know, we've we've worked our squad well, we've rotated well, and he's keeping everybody fresh and he's keeping everybody happy, especially in the midfield where we have got an abundance of players, or we've had a couple of issues with small knocks like Milner the last few games, but he's keeping everybody happy. Everyone seems to be getting a fair level of minutes. The only one who's playing a lot more than anyone else is the best, and that's Genie Wijnaldum, but I'm sure we'll come on to him a little bit later on. Oh, yes, we will. Oh, yes, we will. And, and Carl, kind of transition this in, into the Arsenal game. I know, I know he made a bit of a sloppy start in this game, but I just wanted to ask you about the impact of Fabinho. I know he didn't start against Newcastle, but he did score his first goal for the club. Um, but do you think this upturn in form from Henderson, it, it is down to the improved quality from our midfield this season? I think it's fair to say Ginny didn't have his best, best year last year. Chan uh, had... I thought Chan was good in the first half, but obviously had his injury problems, and it was kind of a bit, a bit of mix and match. But this season, we've seen Ginny Wijnaldum have his best season so far, and he's been one of the best in the Premier League. Fabinho's now looking more settled, and he's looking brilliant. And do you think the improved quality around him has helped Im- improve Henderson? And just talk about the starting impact of Fabinho, if you want to, uh, to Carl. Yes, yeah, certainly. I, I mean, I, I think without a doubt... It- what's around him is certainly improving Henderson because it's allowing Klopp... Well, last year it was kind of Henderson or Chan in the deeper role and we didn't have Mm. Chan for a long spell and, you know, we didn't know whether Chan's heart was quite in it because obviously he was close to joining Juventus. So it was largely just Henderson was tied to playing the sixth role until kind of towards the end he kind of experimented a little bit with Genie there but now suddenly Genie's had a bit more time there and, you know, obviously Fabinho has, has come in and I think that has given the option of playing Henderson a little further which, you know, is probably his natural role. We we always thought he was going to be more of an an eight. So I think it's better to to get him further up the field. And I think I, I said earlier in the season, and I hold my hands up, but I thought Henderson was somewhat finished. I I put it simply that he was broken. I thought just one injury too many, but he he seems to have recovered. And now once again, Klopp is somewhat managing his game time well and. You know, we're we're starting to see the best of them again. You know, the Newcastle game in particular was was quite a standout. And um, though, as someone who lived in Sunderland for a while, it doesn't quite surprise me that a Mackham could get himself fired up to to play Newcastle. Um, but but nonetheless, it was it was still a, a brilliant performance. But you know, obviously, as you said, Fabinho has been a big part of that. And I mean, we're seeing kind of the complete midfielder there with Fabinho. We we talked about it the last day I was on um, for the United game. And I mean, look at, we said we weren't going to talk about Wolves too much, but his assist for Wolves, mm. you know, suddenly finds himself out on the right. Brilliant low cross into Salah and, and lovely finish by Salah. And, you know, how many of our midfielders kind of were doing that last year? You know, uh, Oxay chamberlain outstanding. 
um, not enough. And that's that's what we need. Our, our midfielders getting involved in the goals. We've seen it again against Arsenal. You suddenly Fabinho. Oh, a little nice little layoff from Salah finds himself in, and it takes a, a good save from Leno to deny him. So it's it's brilliant to see that that those runs from deep because we we didn't see them enough really from from other players. And you know, as you said, it, it was a sloppy start against Arsenal from in in a passing sense. As as uh, my brother and I were joking about it while watching the match, you'd wonder if he has mental block against Arsenal because he, he wasn't <laughs> great at the Emirates, but. At the same time, while his passing was poor, he was getting the tackles in. He was making the interceptions. So, and as the game got on and, you know, maybe we settled in, maybe he was a little nervous, maybe he was a little tired. I, I don't know what it was, but he certainly improved as the game went on and, and started to find his passing range. So it's, it wasn't too concerning that he that he misplaced a few passes because he wasn't the only one misplacing passes. Let, let's be honest, it was a bit of a sloppy opening half hour. But I mean, he's just—he does everything. Like it, we've seen his passing against United. We're we're starting to see his his intelligent runs there with with the Newcastle and Arsenal games, and you know, then we're we're seeing his interceptions and his tackles and his winning headers in the middle of the park and all this defensive work. You know, doing doing the the basics. You know, we're seeing that game to game. So I mean, it's just it's imp- so impressive the impact he's having and. I mean, I think it's he's almost getting to level where he's having as much of an impact as as Allison is in in terms of our signings this season. So it's it's just great to see, and it's it's great to see that he's also having a positive impact on Henderson when he plays with him, and and on Wijnaldum as well. I think because let's not Wijnaldum started the season really well, took a bit of a dip, and he's back up there again. And I think Fabinho's kind of improvement of form has coincided with Genie mm. getting back into it. So, I mean, Fabinho's had a massive impact on our midfield, and I think he's only going to get better, and hopefully it's the same for, for Keita as, as he gets more time. Yeah, yeah, I, I fully agree with everything you said there. But, uh, Sai, we'll, we'll focus on the Arsenal game for the rest of the podcast. We've got a good half an hour left or so. So, I mean, start of the Arsenal game a, a bit... It was. Kind of, it reminded me of a game from last season. It was a bit more end to end, a bit more uncontrolled. But Simon, I mean, Arsenal take the lead in this game. This is a feeling that I have not felt in a while. <laughs> did did that? Did that? Obviously, it was a sloppy goal from our point of view. But did that kind of wake us up? And if not, piss us off because we punished them for that. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like someone was. I was talking to a friend about, it and they were like, "It's like the." The Brazil team that when when they were in their peak, the worst thing that you could do was score against them because they just absolutely hammer you. Then I mean, it's it's just I think it was basically just a, here's what happens if you try and score at Anfield. Anyone else in the league will just kill you. I don't ever try that again. Um, but I think like fair play to Arsenal in a way. But I think they were I think they pressed very very high and even when they went one one up I knew that we were going to at least score I mean I, I didn't ever expect us to score five but I thought we did definitely put at least one or two past them because they were just so high up the pitch and they looked they were just absolutely a lot of space at the back they have a pretty bad back three anyway um, and there was no one really that went back to kind of Helped them out, but um, 
it did just feel like that was us just being like a kind of putting down a marker for the rest of the league in a way, which is just like, does anyone else want to come to Atfield and score a goal but put past 12 past you if you do kind of thing so it's hmm. it's nice that we that we actually have that level of control now that no one got mad or I mean not not that they weren't mad but no one kind of went off the, the went away from the plan hmm. that we had you know what I mean Flushed like we, we yeah which is a thing that we saw a lot in the past especially from the likes of Skirtle and you know, a lot. Of, I'm not going to make on Hender and mention all those players. You know, but it's a thing that we've been very poorly affected by in the past, and now feels like we were just like, okay, they scored one, that's fine. We'll just score five. It's easy, and there was just, you know, it's great to watch that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, Um Jay, we'll get into the goals then. I mean, they score in the eleventh minute, and then for me, no. I, I mean, I'm not sure if it has anything to do with Firmino. Uh, he gets a no, another no-look goal, but I mean, we have to talk about Arsenal a smidge. How bad are they at defending? Ooh. Um, do you want the honest version or the nicely coated I'll version? Go, I'll go wild. Go wild, man. Fucking Sunday League football is better <laughs> than that. Because I think it was said on Arsenal Fan TV don't know which one. You could go to Stanley Park on the Sunday morning and you would have seen better organised defending than what they offered there. They are an absolute shambles. They looked like a bunch of nine-year-old kids who just see the ball, follow the ball. And no one, no one in that team had any organisational skills about them whatsoever. So it played into our hands perfectly. We, for me, we didn't get out of second gear. We sort of trundled along. If we wanted to, we could have blew them apart and we could have knocked nine past them easily. Mm. And it would not have flattered us in any bit to say we would have beat them 9-1. We, we just sort of done what we had to do. And I think you said earlier on, we've just got through the month where we've done it professionally. We've done enough to win games, conserve that energy. And the second half proved that we, we come out 4-1 up and we just conserved our energy throughout the game and just when the next goal come, it was going to come. But the way the first goal happened, it was just a comedy of errors in terms of a bit of a pinball wizard around the box. And then Firmino's left for a no-look finish, which he, he needed more than anyone in that front line. He needed that goal because he's sort of been not firing on many cylinders the past few weeks and he sort of trudged along and to go with his changing position and he's coming mm. inside, he's coming backwards, he's going forward. So he needed something to get him started and then you could just see the confidence oozing through him in the next 10, 15 minutes. Obviously, he waltzed through their defence and they fell down like the Greek ruins. They just collapsed right in front of him and you can't ask for a better goal there the way he just shifted it left to right so fast and the perfect image of when Fabino slotting the ball on the goal and there's three Arsenal defenders flat on the face on the floor. You can't you can't ask for any more than that. And then we just oozed through the game. Their confidence was gone. As soon as we had rattled them, they they were finished and it, it was just so easy for us. And I've never seen an Arsenal team 
come to Anfield and look so clueless. We've we've pasted them a few times in the last four or five years, and that's usually been from last year. It was the quick counters. The couple of years ago, it was just a bombardment of four goals in about twenty minutes. But mm. the other day, that was just too easy for us. We we didn't we didn't have to break sweat, and they offered nothing. And that was only proved by Aubameyang, and I think it was they have ten successful passes, and six of them were from kickoffs. So <laughs> he's he is what he is one of the best strikers in the league. And when that that's all you've done in the game, you might as well not show up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that that started just highlights pretty much how dominant we were. I mean, obviously they got the goal. Bit fluky, uh, Lovren, bit of a crap clearance. But other than that, I mean, Aubameyang wasn't even involved in that. But outside of that, they didn't really do anything. Um, but Carl, I'll come to you. Um, obviously, Firmino got the the quick fire double. We've talked about Arsenal being terrible. Um, but we mentioned Fabinho being a bit sloppy. I mean, the team was a bit sloppy throughout the first half, I thought, but the first 20 minutes, especially sloppy. But after that, there was just a level of control that we've seen most of the season, wasn't there? I mean, Fabinho stopped passing it sideways. Obviously, Trent did that big one as well, uh, across fields, I should say. But um, after the 20-minute mark, Carl, we just took that game and just went, no, nah, we've won now. Off you, off you go, lads. Yeah, I mean, it was a brilliant reaction. I mean, the the goal, as we said, it had been it had been a mixed start in that we we started with with decent energy and decent pressing, looked to be kind of causing them problems at the other end. But Arsenal's shape wasn't too bad, and and we know they carry a threat at the other end. And you know, it's it's not a good idea to help them out by passing it straight to them a few times as we did. And it was just unfortunately we we seen Lovren plays the poor ball forward and. Robbo does a, a Moreno, as I like to say, in that he's caught about 10 yards further up than he should have been. But, you know, Lovren, he's not going to expect Lovren to, to play that pass. So, you know, I'll, I'll let him off. Um, but nonetheless, what stood out to me was right after the goal, you know, you see the, the smiles of Maitland Niles and all that. But the camera cut to Virgil van Dijk and Virgil van Dijk is like shouting at the team and his hand just as if to say, come on lads step it up step it up and you know that's what you need and that's exactly what we did we, we tightened up the passing you know we we pulled the pressing up another notch and Arsenal couldn't deal with it and you know within a couple of minutes we're back on level terms within another couple of minutes we're ahead and that's that's the reaction that's what champions do that's that's what the, the best teams do City did a play you know City didn't go behind too many times last season but when they did that's how they reacted that's how Alex Ferguson's United team would generally react you know they don't going down a goal isn't like oh my god panic stations it's all right lads well then let's go to the next gear and that's what you need to be able to do and that's exactly what we did we took control of the game I'm not going to say it was a perfect performance from the Arsenal goal they they still had a couple of chances we were a little more open than, than we usually are. But at the same time, this is the festive period. This is the period where you usually look at the fixtures and say, we're going to drop points. This year, it's not been the case. We didn't think we were going to drop points and we haven't. But you know there's going to be a bit of a, a sloppy step down in, in terms of performance. It's not going to be quite as tight. So you kind of let things go that you might not let go in February, you know. Um, and 
you know, as I said earlier in the pod, our aims really were to win the games and use as little energy as possible. And I think that's what we did in, in all three games. And, you know, that's got to be quite embarrassing for Arsenal that we, we did them while probably only using 40% of the tank, you know. Uh, that that kind of speaks volumes of, of how good we are right now. And you, you have to credit the, the team as a whole, but particularly Van Dijk for, for his leadership because I, I love to see that, to see him kind of telling the lads to cop on and, and step it up because that's exactly what you need on the pitch. Andy was properly ready to batter Socrates at halftime. He was ready. <laughs> I love that as well. <laughs> but um, Simon, I'll come to you for the third goal. Um, Robertson with pretty... I'll, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt and say that he was trying to pick out a salary. He might have just been aiming for the back post <laughs> area, but I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, a bit of a mixed day for Robertson, as, as Carl said, a bit sloppy. Uh, caught upfield for the for the first goal. Um but brilliant pass, uh, if you believe, if you believe that. Uh, Salah, fantastic touch. Mane, brilliant finish. But again, Arsenal abysmal. But I mean, it's just we we have such versatility in our goals, don't we? Obviously, we saw Firmino pretty much run through a whole team. But then we go, then we see a direct goal like that. We just we can score all types of goals, can't we? And that guy was amazing. But it, that shouldn't. I don't know how Arsenal let that ball come. Like it's. It was, it was, like I think it was just a bit of a, not that he just kind of hoofed the ball up, but he was definitely just aiming for that back post kind of area there. He he was just putting the ball back and back and to the box. But Arsenal had pretty much every man in their own box, and it just sailed over all of their heads. And it was an amazing touch from Mo, and he just he he basically just put it on an absolute play for Manny. Like no one was gonna miss that landed perfectly onto his foot and it's the type of goal we don't like it's quite a that's quite a rare one for us to score and as you mentioned we've definitely got threat from kind of everywhere now I mean if we can just kind of up our um if we could up our dead ball a little bit better I mean we've not been that bad actually but if we can just kind of add those goals from the back I think that's going to be I mean it's going to be really tough for teams to know where to try and stop the threat um and as you mentioned yeah i think i think actually both trent and and robo had a bit of a mixed bag i mean they were they're both fairly exposed for a lot of the match um but i thought at least mane was very good um helping out on that Mm. um Kind of, he, he. I think he was back doing a lot of very good defensive work, but Robo was very exposed, and I don't think he had a lot of people come back and help him out. But I mean, luckily it didn't really amount to much apart from the first one, as mentioned. But yeah, it's okay though. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Jay, were you were you at the stadium, Jay? Yeah, and I was there. I'm, I, yeah, um, I missed the game over Christmas. Yeah, good stuff. I just wanted to ask you about the pressing, because obviously we saw it. It was definitely evident in the second goal, especially. And obviously, that's what AI is. Obviously, UP is one of the staple shows. But could could you see the intensity of the pressing so much more clearly in the stadium? Because it's obvious, I think some people said it's not as ferocious as it was last season. But yesterday, I mean, it, it was just evident throughout. Yeah, it was It was evident. And it, it was set... Very early on, from the fact that Arsenal 
indicated they wanted to play out from the back and they can't. Like the, their centre halves don't have the ability in Mustafi and Socrates to play comfortably on the ball. We can, especially with Van Dijk. He's you can give him the ball in any situation and he he takes control. But we we latched onto that very quickly and whether that was just a tactical play by Klopp that we were gonna get into them and get up in the face and press them or whether it was just it's an instant reaction if a team chooses to play from the back then we're going to put the press on straight away and throughout the game it's, it seems to come and go in patches I'm sure the under pressure lads all figure out at what point it was at its most peak and when it sort of troughed off a little bit but we did seem to know right we're going to press at this point and at that point and we seem to target Torreira a lot and mm. He's only the minutes of player and it, it, he was bullied. And Arsenal fans have raved about him this season, said he, he's been a key factor in their 20 game unbeaten run, even though they were playing Milk when in Uzbekistan <laughs> for some of them. But um, he's been their key player that they've needed and a bit of steel that they've got on about. But he was bullied in that midfield and he was ran over by Ginny umpteen times. And Fabinho ran into him and just picked his pocket so many times. And once you got their back line and our front three seemed to get back to that ferocious press that we had last season, then they couldn't live with us. And it, it was evident in the in the stadium. And once once we win the ball up the field, the crowd then get up behind the team and it becomes a cauldron and then it just rolls on into something bigger and better. And the team are backed by the fans and then the opposition seemed to panic and put the ball out of play and it just sort of trundles along in this big snowball effect and you know something's going to come from it, such as it was with the second goal. Um, and it just, it, I don't, it's hard to describe, but you, when you're there, you just get so emotionally involved with the game that it only takes one press and then another one after it and then you're on your feet mm. and then the third one and you're screaming and then, it's it, it's all a big snowball, but it, it seems as though we've picked and chosen our games this season and where we are going to press and who we're going to press. So it, it, it's clever. I Klopp's definitely learning from previous years. I mean, we've been a lot more methodical this year in our play, but it seemed like he, he did target this game for the press. And then the Newcastle game prior to that, we didn't really have to press them because our quality shone through. We were always going to win the ball back eventually from them. Yeah, I agree with everything you've said there, Jay. Um, but obviously you mentioned Ginny there, and, and Carl, I'll come to you, but how impressive was Ginny? Obviously we've kind of mentioned him in passing throughout, but he was seriously impressive against Arsenal. I know we said we had a sloppy 20 minutes, but Ginny was, for me anyway, I know I haven't watched it back, but um, he was just so composed, so controlled throughout. He really was. I mean, it, it stands out to me uh, at one point, I remember, um, like he had about three Arsenal players around him and he just, he managed to wiggle out and get the ball out. There's another time when an Arsenal player had hands all over him and he just shrugged them off. I mean, he's so strong and his close, close control is, is second to none. Like he, he, when he's on it, he's on it and he's just a joy to watch. And he's just, he has a calming effect kind of, you know, we, we talk about what, Van Dijk has on the defence and, and on the team as a whole and I think like Genie is 
the example in in the middle of the park for for the players there when when he's on his game. Maybe, maybe it's a Dutch thing, but uh, <laughs> he just controls the ball so so well. He just he rarely gives if if at all gives possession away, and that, and that's what you need. I mean, as as the lads are saying about um, kind of the how we imposed ourselves on on Arsenal's midfield, and and when Aldam was was central to that, like he he was getting stuck in, he was. You know, some people in the past have sort of accused him of anonymity at times, but you know he wasn't anonymous in any sense in the, this game, nor has he been at all lately. And he he's been involved in every sense of the game, and it, it is fantastic to see. And like it's it's not. I mean, our midfielder is suddenly a, a collective, and it, it almost feels as if he's like the the engine to that to that machine you know and it is brilliant to see and i think it's the fact is it's only going to get better and it's not going to drop off because klopp is is managing their game time so well i think he's seen last year what happened to us when when we ran out of steam in midfield and i think it's it's so good to see that he's managing them and that they're they're paying him back for it by by putting in the performances and and when Alden more than most to, to to be honest um i just i, I couldn't say say enough positive things about when Alden's performances lately and i'm hoping he'll be and i expect he will be a, a key man as as we go forward and particularly on thursday night yeah yeah absolutely and inside just uh, just a question genuinely generally about Ginny. what what do you think he has to do in terms of the wider scale of of football fandom and and media and so what does Ginny have to be to do to get put in the similar bracket as as your Fernandinho's and stuff? Oh, I think he, it's probably fair to say he's the most lauded central midfielder, defensive mm-hmm. midfielder, whatever you want to call it. Do, does he have to do it season in season out? Because I think it's fair to say he didn't have a best season last year, but on this form, he's definitely one of the best centre mids in the country, isn't he? Definitely. Yeah, uh, I don't know what he has to do really. I mean, I think. I mean, maybe it's because most of the people on our team are playing so well that he's kind of getting, he's getting, mm. he's getting overlooked. But even someone like, like, you know, Kante, I mean, he was probably, Leicester really only had like three really, really good players and he was their best of the three. <clears throat> so that's why he kind of got picked out. And then Fernand. Dino, he doesn't get talked about as much as I think that he should. He, like he is still mentioned as one of the best defensive midfielders in the league, if not the best, possibly even the best in the world at the moment. Um, and but that isn't something that people, that a lot, a lot of people mention when they think of that team. I mean, he, he, I mean, most people would probably say uh, that Kevin, Kevin. De Bruyne is the most important person in the team. I don't think that's necessarily true. So I think it just takes a bit of time. It takes maybe having to win some things mm. um, or at, at least um, not even necessarily win, but at least be there or thereabouts at the end. And people will look back on it and, tr- and maybe have a look at that midfield. And then hopefully he will kind of start to get the credit that he kind of deserves. But I mean, in a way, it's nice that he's been played down a little bit because... It just takes that kind of pressure off him to have to keep getting better and better. But as uh, Carl mentioned, I think 
engine is the perfect word for him. Um, I think he is just going to get better and better, especially as we buy better and better people and put them into that team. It's, you know, he's just going to really, I think I'm really looking forward to next year. I think he's going to be just an amazing player because he just keeps getting better and better. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully he does continue um, in in this form. Um, but we'll we'll move on back to the game, and uh, we've got a couple more goals to discuss before we finish up. Um, but Jay, I mean, we get uh, the penalty. Obviously, we mentioned with the whole diving thing. I think mean, we all agree it is a penalty. Um, Salah still on penalties, <laughs> not not the best. But I mean, he, he's still he's still playing phenomenally well, isn't he, Salah? I think. Uh, it's fair to say he's been one of our best players in this uh, perfect month. But again, he, he showed great form in this Arsenal game and it showed winning the penalty. Yeah, and I think we just need to touch on the ball out from Alisson. Um, he seems to just oh, like yes. pick, a, he picked like a driving club out of his golf bag and just went ping and it went straight out. I think it was the Trent. Um, and then he played it down into Salah, but yeah, I mean, another goal that basically Allison's assisted in terms of his quick thinking, get the ball straight out of the field. But yeah, I think it was Cy Brundish who put out on Twitter the day our goal involvements for this month and Salah's at 11. So you can clearly see the impact that he's had this month. And he's, he's not the greatest penalty taker, but when he's in this vein of form and his confidence is up, then... He gave him the ball, um, and you know he ne- he needed to get a go- another goal just to keep him ticking along and stick two fingers up to Aubameyang, who's sort of having a little bit of a head to head with him in the goal scoring charts, even though you know he didn't get a sniff on the uh, Saturday when it was yeah, mm-hmm. um, you know we we've. We've got our penalty taker, we know, in James Milner, but James Milner's not going to start every game, so we need to have guys who are going to step up and put the ball away, and that's two in two games now, so it's not going to do his confidence any harm in slotting the ball away at Anfield, and it's his most comfortable surroundings. He does play better when we are at home, everyone knows that. So, yeah, it was it was good to give him that boost of confidence and get involved with the, the other guys, like, all scoring, so... It's always good when the front three get on the score sheet together. It's always a good day that you can tell if one or two of them score, the other one desperate to get on the score sheet. So to share it around this this weekend was a it was a delight to see really, and it's, it's only positive signs going forward into the second half of the season that all three of them are now going in there, bouncing with confidence, and they've all got goals under the belt over the last few weeks. So it, it's always good to push on now with what we've got. Yeah, yeah. And um, Carl, uh, obviously we come to the fifth goal, um, which obviously completes Firmino's hat-trick, but most importantly, penalty pool is back. <laughs> uh, very much is so. It, it seems to be in, in recent weeks. I mean, it, I, I know in the when we got the first one, um, people were kind of looked, the stats, I think it was 14 months or something since we'd, we'd had a penalty something at Anfield. Like that, yeah. and now we've had three three and in, in two um i mean again it's 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 one of those it's it's you could say it's soft as people like to say but 
I mean, for me, I remember when Leicester won the league with a lot of pushing and pulling in the box. And then the, the Referees Association kind of made this big statement that the following summer that they were going to be cracking down on that kind of thing. But they never really did because there's never that consistency with the, the officials. Um, but nonetheless, it, it is in the rules of the game. You know, you, you're not supposed to be pushing and pulling in the box on a set play. And Kalasinage and his big tanky chest just barges Lovren and knocks him down and then the referee had the referee had a clear view i mean he, he knew what he was seeing he he knew he was going to give it it's you know it, it's just, there's no kind of going down easy from lovren or no 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 talk of that as i said you can say it's soft but the referee made up his mind and and he gave the penalty so i don't think it's it's really open to debate and then fair play to salad despite chasing that golden boot up against Aubameyang and uh, hazard and Kane, I guess, as well, inevitably. Uh, he decides to give the ball to Firmino and let him complete his hat-trick. And Firmino certainly took a better penalty than Salah did. It was a brilliant penalty, gave, gave Leno no chance. And it's great to see Firmino get, get a hat-trick because, you know, it hasn't been his, his best year. He started kind of softly, he came into it a bit more, he dipped off again, he's he's starting to, to come up again. Um, and, and it is, as one of the lads said earlier, the rotating positions that, that he sometimes is in midfield, sometimes he, he's further up. It's got to be hard. Sometimes he's on the left. It, it's got to be difficult to, to kind of get any consistency going when, when your position isn't consistent. So I can kind of understand how, how he has been, how he has been. But at the, the same time, I mean, we need him at his best because when he's at our be- his best, our attack is at its best. So it, it couldn't have came at a better time. I mean, the second goal was was fantastic. It was just it was awesome. I mean, I seen I was watching Arsenal fan TV afterwards, and some Arsenal fan was like, "For for me, no, we made him look like a worldie. He's not great. He's not great." <laughs> And what what player did they did they watch? I mean, for me, Firmino is the the most complete forward in the country. Maybe he's not as much a, as good a goal scorer as as uh, Harry Kane, and you know, maybe he's not quite as you know he's he's not quite got the skill set as as Aguero, maybe. But again, that's debatable. But I mean, as a, as a complete player, I mean, for me, he is the most complete. Obviously, I'm a little biased, but you know, as I said, he he is so important to us. So when he hits good form, we're gonna hit great form. And I think City City best beware that 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 Bobby's back. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and Sai probably finish up on this point, but is Firmino back? I think you could probably add Mane into this as well. He's not had the best con he's not had the most consistent seasons, probably best way to word it. But I think it's fair to say this is probably one of their best performances collectively. Firmino especially, I mean a hat trick obviously very well, but even even goals aside, he was just everywhere. Yeah, no, it's it's great to see um the, it's it's always nice when you get when you get all of the front three and five as was mentioned earlier on and I mean I think Bobby I, I mean he's such a strange player to analyze because obviously most people are gonna think that he just that he needs to score just the fact that he's playing up front well he's not he's kind of more playing that number 10 role now but as fans who watch the matches and stuff, We'd probably kind of see a lot more from him that, and it could be. I I find it sometimes can be quite hard to 
explain to people like how amazing he actually is and he like he just has he like he just has everything in, in his bag and I think Carl put it very well there that he's the most he's the most complete forward and I mean even when he doesn't score he's still either making space or or tracking back or helping out the midfield pressing you know like he's got even like even his ability in the air is really really good I mean he he wins a fair amount of balls in the box both in our own box and when we're being attacked as well and his passing is really good and obviously he'd only scored I think maybe three or four so putting in three is gonna just he's just gonna start to fly now and hopefully that will open it up a little bit more um as we've kind of like for the last month now as a team we've been a little we've been that that little bit more open than we've been for the first three months so um hoping that he can just move on from that now and start banging them in but yeah I mean I've I haven't really had as much of an issue with him as I know that some people have just in the fact that he hasn't been scoring as much as we might like or expect him to um I just think he's just a, an absolutely amazing player and is he's just got a fantastic touch and like leaving those three defenders crawling on their knees in the box as he just fucking walked around them and just blammed it in the corner it was just beautiful <laughs> I got a lot oh, of yeah. I got a lot of ple- I got a lot of pleasure to watching that there's that <laughs> the, the uh, image that went up from the back and you just see the three Arsenal defenders all on the floor groveling <laughs> like please don't score <laughs> it's so cruel but it's pretty good though I haven't, even, I haven't even watched Bird Box, but I love all the Bird Box content. Yeah. Let's go <laughs> <Me neither>. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dear. Uh, but before, we, I mean, I think we're probably over an hour by now, but we'll do. We'll talk about the Man City game for a couple of minutes. I mean, Jay, obviously one of the biggest games of the season. Um, I, I won't ask you to go but who you'd pick for the team and stuff, but are you confident? Yeah, um, only because I think I mentioned it maybe on a pod it be post-Man United. Um, if we were to go there, and at that time, I think we were a point ahead of Man City. Um, I said, if we were to go there, one point ahead, we were 1-0 up, psychologically. Now, we're going there seven points ahead of Man City, isn't it? So, mm-hmm. we're not 7-0 up, but we're still probably 2-0 up now. Psychologically, they... they They've got to come and attack us. They've got to win the game. They've got no other choice. And you'd only have to take it back eight months when we went there in the Champions League second leg. And they had to come and attack us. And they had no choice. And look what happened. We'll we'll go there with a game plan. And we're not going to share away. We're not going to go and do what Man City did when they come to Anfield and park the bus and hold out for the draw. We'll just say, right, do what you want to do because we're just going to play our own game that we've always played. And when you leave the gaps, we'll exploit them. And I'm confident we'll match them goal for goal. I don't think we'll lose. I'll happily take a draw now. Mm-hmm. But I'm, conf- I'm confident that we can go there and certainly win because everything at the moment is in our favour. And should the worst happen and we lose, we're still four points ahead of them. We've still got to lose 
or drop points in two other games and they've got to win every other game. So it's all in our favour, it's all in our hands and I'm not worried about them. If Fernandinho's not in their team, that's a massive boost. They've got no left-back. They're going to be playing Kevin De Bruyne's younger brother, Sinchenko, there. And if you're Mo Salah, you're just going to say, just run that lad. Just yeah. see, what he's, see what he's made of because I think it was proved at the weekend... Um, you can get you can get at them, and he cocked up for the Southampton goal, and that's Southampton. Well, let's be honest, with all due respect, there. Southampton's reserves as well. <laughs> yeah, and they they troubled them. Southampton, Leicester, really troubled them, and Palace just proved that if you take your chances, you will get at them. And it's also for me the defensive record for them. Now, I don't think they've kept a clean sheet in about eight games. And we've kept five out of eight in December. And the goals that we've given off, a couple of them have been pretty sloppy. So we're going to go in there flying and let them do whatever they want to do. We'll let them bring whatever fake fans, fake plastic flags, (laughs) drums, ribbons, light shows, music, whatever they want to do. It ain't going to affect us. So, yeah, no problem. Bring it on. We're going there. No fear. We'll still be top of the league on Friday morning. So, bring on whatever you've got to offer us and we'll we'll laugh and we'll just carry on as normal. Yeah, yeah, absolutely perfect. Um, Carl, quickly on a Man City game. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm confident. I mean, I, I kind of would echo what, what Jay said. I mean, we're in a great position, seven points ahead. Man City have to come and chase the game and with how good our defence is and how good our players are breaking, that's not a position City want to be in and I think Pep is trying his best with mind games, calling us the best team in Europe and it's almost like he's trying to coax us to, to go at them but I don't think we will. I think we've seen brilliant game management from, from Klopp recently. I think he'll he'll know, let's keep it tight, let's play on the break, and let's hurt them. Because you can hurt them. You, you look at that back four, as Jay said, Zinchenko, he's a, he's a young left winger playing at left back. Um, Danilo suddenly at right back because Walker has been garbage, let's be honest. But also, apparently, he's fallen out with Pep. So Danilo <laughs> is just... The, the definition of average and even then that's been kind you know center back they've had to to take company out of his retirement home because they're just that desperate you know we we heard stones and laporte were apparently the the best center back pairing in europe i i don't understand how i mean laporte he's brilliant on the ball he's a very good defender but he's not a great defender not yet anyway he's still young um stones great on the ball but an average defender you know, company is still their best defensive centre-back and he is a shadow of the player he once was. So, you know, I, I think there's goals there. They, they What's their record in the three games of Chris? I think it's six goals scored, six goals conceded. Mm. And that's not great at all. We've got 11 and one conceded. It's just, it's, there's a gulf there. So I think City have to chase it. I'm not saying we're going to beat them. Obviously, City are a very talented side. They, well, well, I can say about their defence and I can say in midfield, obviously, De Bruyne and Gundogan are doubts. And you'd imagine by now the Silvas are kind of feeling the effect, especially David being well into his 30s of, of the busy festive period. They've still got a great attack and with Aguero and Sterling and Sané, who I think will probably be the likely three, 
they they carry a threat there, so they they can certainly be the first team to test that record we have of not conceding more than one in a league game this season. But nonetheless, I'm I'm confident we'll at least do enough to get the draw, and that puts us in such a commanding position, being seven points clear with 17 games to go, and and if it's if it's 10 points clear, all the better. You know, so I, I'm very confident going into this one. I just think that the, the stars are aligning in our favour. As I, I touched on earlier, it was important for us to use as little energy as possible in the festive period. I think we've done that. Whereas I think City have had to battle, even yesterday against Southampton, you know, Southampton kind of gave them a little bit of scare in the first half with the equaliser. And, you know, City didn't look great. They had to put a lot in. I think they've used up a lot of energy, especially in the midfield area over this period. And I, I think it could be telling on their legs when, when Thursday comes. Yeah, yeah, fully agree. Fully agree. Um, Simon, your your thoughts on the City game and finishes off? Jeez, this is a, a, a seriously large amount of confidence coming from here. It's great. I love it. <laughs> I kind of feel like, I mean... They are still an amazing team, and I, obviously, I don't think I don't think our team will be quite so uh, kind of sure of a victory. But I think uh, I think the best point is I think this is the best time that we could face them. We're on form, and we, I, I I think we're just getting better and better. And they're in a little bit of a a weird patch of they're you could definitely say they're off form. They've they had two very weird, um, weird results there, and they struggled in their last match against uh, one of the worst teams in the league, who weren't even at full strength. And Pep is is kind of trying to scrape it together with these weird mind games in the press. Um, and I think the fact that they have to win, I mean, it's kind of like we, it's nearly like we have a free, a free pass at them and we could go all out attack or we could play real defensively and try and let them come onto us so I mean I, I, I don't think Pep will have a clue what what way we'll play but we know that they're going to have to come to attack so I think in that respect it'll probably be easier for us to almost know how to kind of beat them because we know that they'll just attack we, we know what their team will probably be because of their injuries, whereas we have, like, there's a fair few people that we could put in the midfield, you know, and that it'll be hard for them to kind of and to know what they're going to do. So I think, yeah, it's definitely, I think we can win the match, but if we if we were to come away with a point, I'd be really really happy with that. I think there's still a lot on them, um, and I think we come away from that match on a massive big high and hopefully we can become the next invincibles and just fuck that in Arsenal's faces for the rest of their lives because that is the last thing that they want uh, Arsenal fans just are so worried that we're going to go on an invincible run <laughs> oh dear you've, Sorry, you've, to, you've jinxed it now I've, I've jinxed it I know We've all changed uh, it, I think. Uh, okay. Well, I think that's the perfect way of finishing up there. But thanks for joining me, you three, and thanks for listening, everybody. Goodbye. Sports Social Podcast Network.